0: And responsible gaming resources.
1: Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's News Podcast here on Big Blue View Radio with your New York Giants. At two and ten, with an eight-game losing streak, heading into uh, into Philadelphia on Monday night, there certainly isn't a whole lot of of positive news to talk about. Pretty much, uh, you know, we 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 hear the uh, the rumors about Pat Shermer. We see what Steve Tisch said earlier this week about the quote very honest conversation he and John Mara need to have once the season ends. So we kind of know that uh, once again, the winds of change are blowing, you know, for your New York Giants. And, and here to discuss uh, the, the state of the franchise, what's going on with, uh, with the Giants these days, is good friend Patricia Trainer Patty, how are things?
2: Hey, Ed, how's it going?
1: Oh, Patty, it's good, it's good, you know, except for the, uh, except for the 22 inches of snow that I've had to clear the last couple of days, life is great. Oh and see we only
2: got a dusting down by me and it's already gone.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I get to I it'll be a white Christmas here because uh here in the in the Albany area because th- this snow is not melting anytime soon.
2: Well, hang in there then. <laughs>
1: All right, Patty. So, you know, obviously I didn't I didn't call you or I didn't have you come on the show today to to talk about the weather. Obviously, there's a lot to talk about with the New York Giants, with the state of the Giants, with what's going to happen in the future. And we have to start with the remarks this week by Giants co-owner Steve Tisch. You know that, that he was disappointed, obviously, with the season that he and John Mara have to have. As I referenced al- earlier, that very honest conversation, you know, at the end of the season about the direction of the franchise, and just your initial thoughts, your initial reaction to to what Tish's comments meant for the future of Pat Shermer, Dave Gettleman, you know, and, and the team itself.
2: Well, I think. You know, what we've been saying all along, Ed, there's some questions about the coaching and how they're using the talent. You know, you have said numerous times, and I agree, that this is not a 2-10 and ten team. Um, and then there's some questions that are starting to pop up with what Dave Gettleman is doing, most notably the Leonard Williams trade and how that's affected B.J. Hill, a guy who, by the way, they used a third-round draft pick that they acquired in a trade for Jason Pierre-Paul. So there's just some head-scratching decisions being made at both the coaching level and by, by Gettleman that just haven't panned out. And it's okay to try new things. It's okay to be aggressive. It's okay to experiment, but you shouldn't, at this point in the season, um, you're having breakdowns, you're having ineffectiveness and, and you should, you should be getting stronger and better as the season goes on. And, you know, Pat Shermer has referenced, you know, being quote unquote, historically young. We know that's not true. Um, I had found a study on the Philly Voice that said that they were like in the middle of the pack. And I think Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network said that they were like the ninth youngest team. So you got to look beyond all this and say, OK, what's not going right here? And, and it comes back to the coaching and the personnel decisions.
1: Well, it has to. You know, the Giants PR department put out some some notes the other day that the Giants have started eight rookies this year, actually 10 rookies, if you consider undrafted free agents John Hilliman and Caden Smith, and I think that's more rookies than they've started in games at any point since 1980, And and I get that. And, you know, eight Giants draft picks have started games this year. Eight, you know, 2019 draft picks have started games this year. But, you know, Pat Shermer, to me, and I've said this before, to me, he's begun to sound like a guy who's case building for his job for next year. And here's the thing that's really, really damning when it comes to that. Even in the Giants' own PR notes, they referenced that the Indianapolis Colts used eight rookie draft pick starters in 2018. They went 10-6. and They won a playoff game. So you can win with young players. So to me, I mean, what it comes back to, Patty, and we wrote about this at Big Blue View this morning, what I want to ask you about He keeps referencing the young players. He keeps referencing progress, specifically when it comes to the first and second year players, the young guys that the Giants want to be the core of their future. Can you make a case that those players are making progress? Because I know that as we studied it, I have a hard time making that case.
2: Yeah, I'm with you, Ed. I mean, you see, you know, where's the big jump that we were expecting Lorenzo Carter to take? that they spoke about in the off season, where's the big jump that will Hernandez was supposed to take. Um, you, you see the same mistakes being made by veterans and rookies alike. And that comes down to coaching and, and we can point to the in-game decisions and, and, and the screw ups. I mean, how do you not know, for example, and I'll go back to, to week one, Pat Shermer challenging a, a play inside of the two minute warning. OK, when you're not when all reviews are, are initiated by the booth and then the runoff that they had, you know, uh, against the uh, the Bears where they didn't realize that they could substitute and they tried to cover it up by saying, oh, well, that's what we plan to do. And then even last week when they had, you know, they, they didn't know they could call a timeout when they had 12 men on the field and and the Packers were still able to score a touchdown. I mean, there's been too many of those instances to make you, you you know, sit there and say, what the heck is this coaching staff doing? And it's just, it's very frustrating to watch because you see these players, they look like they don't have a clue. They don't, they're looking at each other and there's just nobody to really, you know, say, Hey guys, let's step back. Let's regroup. Let's figure this out. And they're just really left to to sink in the deep end of the pool.
1: Patty, you know, specifically in reference to the Tish remarks, though, you know, do you think that that ownership has already decided, you know, Pat Shermer's fate, maybe Dave Gettleman's fate? Or do you think that there's still an open question as to what might happen here?
2: I think there's still a little bit of an open question here. I think it's one of those cases where maybe they're 90% certain what they're going to do. But if you remember, a last year, the Giants finished strong. I think the last four or five games of the season, they started to show progress. Even though the record wasn't reflective of that progress, the offense started to play better. You know, the defense, you know, was... Um, I, I wouldn't say playing better, but it, they weren't as bad as they were, you know, earlier. So I think perhaps they're hoping this, that the same thing will happen this year, that, you know, they'll turn things around, they'll start to look more cohesive, and that they'll finally get this group on the right track. But I, with that said, if they continue the losing, if they continue to look disorganized and disheartened, I think you have no choice if you're John Mayer and Steve Tisch, you have to make a change
1: yeah I would agree with that, Patty. You know one of the ways that we see this go down we've seen it before. I think we saw it over the years when in Tom Coughlin's final years as head coach, a lot of times you see the uh the piecemeal changes, the changes of coordinators, the changes of position coaches and I think you and I have probably talked about this off air but for me, when you look at at the possibility of keeping Pat Shermer next season, you can't keep the status quo, which means that you know much of the of the coaching staff under Shermer would have to change and Do you agree with me that that the problem with that is you have a coach with a with a long term losing record who's entering a year where he's on the hot seat. Do you agree with the idea that he's going to have a hard time? Finding you know the top tier assistant coaches to come in simply because I, I th- it might be one and done.
2: I, I think you, I think so, Ed. I mean, look, if if I'm putting myself in the in the place of a of an assistant coach, if I'm going to what could be a sinking ship, I don't want to have to keep moving my family around, you know. So I I want to go someplace where I can. Put down some roots and maybe be there more than one season, and I do think that's a problem. And I think that's something that, if John Mara and Steve Tisch are, are contemplating a, a change, they're going to have to take that into consideration. You know, initially I thought, okay, maybe they they'll keep Pat Shermer, but they'll insist that he make all these changes. Well, the second you insist that all these changes be made, out to the coaching staff, to giving up the playbook, et cetera, et cetera. You're basically saying, without saying it, that the guy's a lame duck coach, that if things don't turn around after these changes are made, he's out. And I think that can be off-putting to certain, you know, up-and-coming assistants who maybe can help you and help your cause. But, you know, look, just going back to this whole coaching thing, I go back to the initial staff that Shermer assembled. It was not probably the best staff he could have put around him. Now, I don't know if it's because he was hired late because, you know, he was in the, the playoffs with the Vikings and he got a late start on recruiting assistants or if it was because he couldn't get who he wanted or whatever. But you just kind of got the impression that, that you know, the, the coaching staff that he put together probably wasn't his first choice in some areas. And, and I think that's hurt him.
1: I would agree with that, Patty. Let's take a quick break here for a word from our sponsors. We'll come back and I uh, want to talk a little bit about the uh, – about Dave Gettleman's culpability in this and his future with the Giants. All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine back here on the Valentine's Views podcast talking with Patricia Trena of Locked On Giants and the Giants Maven on SI.com about the, uh, the state of the New York Giants. We've talked a little bit about Pat Shermer and his future, We also need Patty to talk about Dave Gettleman. I've made the case for a while that, and I think we've both made the case that we think the talent on the Giants roster is better than two and 10, that the Giants should be maybe a four win team, maybe a five win team, maybe even a six win team at this point, but still that's not great. Um, what in your mind is is gettleman's culpability you know in this in this uh, this mess the giants are in at this point
2: well i mean gettleman hasn't been perfect let's let's make that clear he's there's been some decisions that he's made in free agency maybe a few in the draft that just have not worked out. To his credit, though, he has been more aggressive, more proactive, and he hasn't been afraid to admit a mistake and cut his losses and move on. So let's give him credit for that. Now, with that said, I just think lately some of his decisions, like I have a big problem with the Leonard Williams trade. I'm sitting here to this day, and before we started this conversation, I was actually getting ready to write something, what did the Giants see in Leonard Williams that you know in four years worth of tape that no one else saw that were willing to to you know bang down the the Jets door to offer two draft picks, let alone one? So I'm not sure I understand that move. And then. Like I've said before, not only are the Giants giving up a third-round pick automatically for Williams, but Williams's arrival has compromised some of the playing time of another third-round pick, B.J. Hill. So in essence, you've kind of wasted two third-round picks um, if you go on to sign this guy, or even if you don't go on to sign this guy, uh, you've wasted two third-round picks if you think about it. And now you might be looking at... Um, You know, having to give up a fourth round pick if you sign Williams to a big contract, which I don't know that he deserves. I mean, when I look at the tape, I don't know that he's making that big of an impact where he's, you know, creating opportunities for other guys to make plays. Now, he played well last week, you know, or at least better than what he had been doing, but. I would not sign this guy to have a big money contract. I mean, I'd rather give that money to Marcus golden and another pass rusher than, than to, to Leonard Williams. I mean, that's so, I mean, to, that's the long answer to your question, but Gettleman, you know, he hasn't been perfect now, you know, Is coaching part of it? Yes, we discussed that, but you got to give them pieces that fit. You got to give them, you know, guys that have high ceilings and you can't just say, well, you know, hog molly, hog molly. It's, you know, I, I just think that there's been some deficiencies in some of the decision making there.
1: No, I would agree, Patty. And specifically when it comes to the Williams trade, that one is a conundrum for me because it's just hard to justify what you see with Williams is the production of a complimentary player. And it's just hard to justify giving up draft picks for that and, and signing him to any sort of, of big money deal. The problem is the Giants end up with egg on their face if Williams is not a Giant next year. So so that, one, that one's difficult for me. The Golden Tate signing, you know, he's a good player, but that one is still difficult for me. Obviously, we can go through a lot of Gettleman's free agency signings, Tate, you know, Nate Solder, uh, you know, some things that, that aren't working out the way that the Giants would have hoped that that they would have. In the in the end, you know what I've always said is the Giants way back in 2015. They even when they removed Tom Coughlin, they went halfway in terms of what they tried to do they kept Jerry Reese they kept the front office they kept the scouting staff intact can the Giants go halfway here if can they can they remove Pat Shermer and and continue you know down the road with Dave Gettleman as GM or in your mind would it be better to to sweep the whole thing clean and start over
2: I don't think the ownership wants to sweep the whole thing over and, you know, the whole thing out and start over. I do think, you know, would it make more sense to maybe get your general manager in place that's going to be in charge for the next 10, 15, 20 years? Yes. But now here's here's the conundrum. We know that the Mara family likes consistency. They like stability. So who's the next man up? Probably Kevin Abrams. Is he ready to take on that job right now? After Dave Gettleman, I don't know if he is. Okay, I don't know if they know if he is. I mean, they probably have a better idea than than you and I would. But that's going to be, you know, I, I would be stunned if you know Gettleman retired tomorrow and Kevin Abrams wasn't named the new general manager because they've been grooming him for that. So, with that said, I always go back to the end of the wilderness years and how George Young was given three years to turn the giants around. And he was able to do that by his third year. They were, I think they made the playoffs in 1981, which was his third year. This is why I think Dave Gettleman is going to get another year, um, but possibly with a different coaching staff. It's almost, It almost mirrors what the Giants went through you know, back during that era. The difference being is, is I believe the Giants lost Ray Perkins because he resigned to take a college job. He wasn't fired. So let's hope that the Giants get similar results if they decide to stay with Dave Gettleman, but if they move on to a different head coach.
1: All right, Patty, we know that uh, – let's just talk briefly. You know, obviously, Pat Shermer is still the head coach. He's most likely, you know, going to be the head coach for the remainder of this season. But we know – I mean, I've already done it, um, you know, put out a list of, of potential coaching candidates to replace Pat Shermer. Um, and we know that if Dave Gettleman remains as general manager, one of those candidates is going to have to be Ron Rivera, simply because of the connection that the, that Gettleman and Rivera had in Carolina, the success that they had together. Just give me, and and I I know because we've talked about it offline. I kind of know where you're going to go with this. Just give me a couple of guys. You know, if the Giants go down this road, give me a couple of guys you'd like to see get really strong consideration, you know, to be to be the uh, the Shermer replacement if we go down that road.
2: Matt Rule, I mean, you and I are on the same page with this. I, I look at what he did with Temple. I look at what he did with Baylor. Now, I know it's not the same as NFL, uh, being an NFL head coach, but look, The guy has had NFL experience. He was on, I believe, Coughlin's staff for a year, I want to say. I I like what he's done. I've I've been following some of his work a little bit more closely. Um, I think you know, his coaching style as a CEO type of head coach appeals to me because, as you know, Ed, I am not a fan of a coach that calls his own plays. And I'm sorry. I know Andy Reid does it. I know Sean McVay does it. I am not a fan. Okay. And no, no amount, you know, it's, you're not going to convince me otherwise that, that it's a good idea. Um, so Matt Rule would be a top of my list. I do think you're right. I think if Shermer is fired, Ron Rivera would get a look. I don't know how I would feel about that. My whole thing with the Giants and how they have done things the last several years, to be honest with you, is. And I don't know if lazy is the right word, but they keep going back to guys from their past, whether it's a a former Viking, a former Cardinal, a former uh, Bronco, a former, um, you know, Panther. Mm -hmm. Enough. There are other teams in the NFL. What happened to whatever happened to doing due diligence and, you know, looking at these other guys? I mean, can you you mean to tell me that all these Cardinal players they brought on board, for example, we better than the other options at the positions. I find that hard to believe. So I just would like to, to see the Giants, you know, uh, they, they just keep going back to their past. And as you and I have discussed many times when it comes to free agency and fans saying, oh, they should sign this guy who maybe five years ago was a stud, but who, you know, over time has diminished in his skills. I think that... That, that management has to do the same thing because they, they just keep going back to the well and the well is drying up. So, you know, I, I, I don't know that I would necessarily want to see Ron Rivera in there. I, I do like the man. I think he's a good coach, but there's got to be other options.
1: Oh, it'll be interesting, Patty. The one thing I did want to talk about before I let you go is the whole idea of, you know, I know you've kind of banged the drum about Pat Shermer calling the plays, and and we do agree on Matt Rule. And one of the things that I like, and we're on the same page again, is the CEO-style head coach. One of the things I love about Rule's resume is – He has coached both sides of the ball. He's coached linebackers. He's coached defensive linemen. He's coached tight ends. He's coached quarterbacks. He's been an offensive coordinator. I like, and it it has nothing to do with play calling necessarily. I simply like head coaches who are head coaches. I don't like head coaches who are really one side of the ball head coaches who leave the other side of the ball to to everybody else. That's that's just my feeling. I would like to see someone coach the whole team, you know, not coach the offense or coach the defense and and, and leave everything else to to the rest of the staff.
2: Yeah, I'm with you, Ed. You know, look, if you're going to manage a business, you better have a little bit of a knowledge in every aspect. You don't have to be an expert, but you better have a little bit of, a, of knowledge so that if you're a member of your staff who's in charge of it makes a decision, you can kind of lean in and say, nah, I don't think that's going to work. Let's try try it this way. But when you come in and you have absolutely no experience on one side of the ball, you don't know any better to, to you know, if if the guy's doing right by you know you or if he's doing right by himself or whatever and i just think it's a very dangerous setup so i agree with you and that's that's one of the reasons why rule to me is such a an an appealing candidate he has that experience on both sides of the ball he is a ceo style head coach and i i just think that you know if they part with pat schirmer That would be one of the first guys I call in and and see if I can't work something out with a buyout and and, and getting him on board.
1: Patty, I just like the idea that that you and I came up with in the press box the other day. You be the GM, I'll be the head coach, Chris (laughs) Visignano of Giant Insider can run the defense, and Emory Hunt of Football Game Plan can run the offense, and we're done.
2: Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that be a kick <laughs> in the butt? We should actually have, actually, for the end of the year, Ed, we should have a show in which we we have uh, some of those guys on, and we just talk about the different things. That would be fun.
1: Yeah, but you and I would never get a word in, Patty.
2: Probably not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Patty. Thank you very much. It would be an interesting offseason, as it always seems to be with the New York Giants. Thank you very much for listening, Giants fans, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.